0: And now let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It's hard to believe it, but we have now arrived at Advent. I don't know about you, but this COVID crisis has certainly messed with my conception of time. Somehow this year seems to have lasted forever while at the same time flying by. But here we are, at Advent 1, Come, O come, Emmanuel. The first Sunday in Advent is always a tricky one for any mainline church that follows the Revised Common Lectionary, for it is on this Sunday when when we get one of those passages from the Synoptic Gospels on the parousia, the second coming of Christ. The text here is from Mark, the model for similar passages in Luke and Matthew which appear in the other two years of the lectionary cycle. What a great text to begin Advent, wouldn't you say? But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds of the earth to the ends of heaven. Boom, boom, boom. This text really puts you in that Christmas spirit. <laughs> if when you say Christmas spirit, you mean those old fairy tales told to young children to scare the wits out of them. I read through this text of my old Bible and then flipped the page <laughs> to see whether I really found the right text. Surely there must be something, well a bit brighter to start the season, don't you think? Now, it's important to make clear here that I am most definitely not one of those people who expects Jesus to suddenly appear in the clouds, bringing fire and brimstone. As I have preached about many times in the past, I am someone who adheres to an inaugurated eschatology. In other words, the end times, or the eschaton in Greek, are already appearing. The great signs of God at work in the world to bring about God's kingdom are all around us. They are within us. The language Jesus uses here, which comes from Daniel chapter 7, is figurative language. After times of great suffering, there will be relief. There will be succor, as as though coming from the clouds. Jesus, the word of God, comes into our lives at unexpected times. We do not know the day or the hour. But it does happen, and it it gives us a hint of the inbreaking of God's kingdom here. This is a distinctly positive message. We are to look and be awake for God's advent, God's coming. That is, after all, where the season derives its name. We are in a time of waiting, of looking, of expectancy. It's a time to pause and look around, take stock. Look at the fig tree. Do you see it beginning to bloom? Maybe, just maybe, something good really is coming around the corner. But sadly, most of us find ourselves in a state where we're not awake. I don't mean that we're actually sleeping. We're going about our lives as best we can during a global pandemic. No, what I'm talking about is a little more sinister than that. It can sometimes be eye-opening to learn new information, and this past week, like some of you, I suppose, I watched the recent documentary entitled The Social Dilemma, and it got me thinking, especially during this Advent, and wondering how awake am I to the world? How ready am I to find Jesus in my life during this season? The Social Dilemma, that documentary I watched, examines the dark side of social media, and it's frightening. Social media, of course, grew out of the internet, that great invention of the 1980s. It has changed the way we relate to the world. The sea change that has happened to our society as a result of the internet is hard to quantify. We have more access to more information than ever before. That's a great thing. I can read news outlets all over the world at any moment from the comfort of my home. The internet, the internet allows us to broadcast this worship service now and has kept us connected during the global pandemic. Email has changed the way we communicate, mostly for the better, even though there are those days when (laughs) those of us long for a less crowded electronic inbox. And out of this great invention of the internet came new ways to connect with one another. It started slowly with chat rooms and the like, the date to the 1990s, but with the dawn of the new millennium came far more advanced internet platforms. Google, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, to name just the most popular. Through these applications, I can see what my friends from high school are doing from all around around the globe. It's amazing. I love to be able to see the pictures of friends and their kids, friends whom I have not seen in person in years. I can chat with people instantly, and I can even tweet responses to mega celebrities, (laughs) even though they won't read them. I've laughed at countless memes, watched amazing creativity captured on video, read articles that I never would have come across otherwise, but which have altered my thinking on one issue or another. Social media has helped launch popular revolutions for change, and, as we get better at it, can spread the great news of the things we're doing here at First Congregational Church. What an amazing invention. I've also been able to buy goods and services that I never knew I needed, (laughs) (laughs) My library is many many times larger than it would have been without that great rabbit hole for me, the book section of Amazon.com. Social media and the internet are indeed wonders to behold, and they've made many people rich, rich beyond measure. And yet lurking behind all this advance in our our social way of existing lies a dark reality— one that we must wrestle with now more than ever before. Social media is all well and good for the most part, but it is an integral part of the capitalist system and as such it demands to be monetized. And the way social media monetizes itself is by capturing your attention, your time. The more time you spend on each app, the more opportunities you give that platform to advertise to you. The more ad revenue they get, the higher their stock price goes. So that presents an intriguing puzzle for these companies, how to get someone to stay on a social media platform for hours, to give up other things in their life for more time on their phones and computers and tablets. Well, every time you use Google to search something or like something on Facebook, that information is used to create an eerily accurate profile of you. These companies use massive supercomputers and on comp- and complex algorithms They can predict exactly what will grab your attention and what will keep you on the screen. Then they feed you more and more of that so that they can show you more and more ads and boost their profits. Simple enough, don't you think? (laughs) What could possibly go wrong with posts or internet searches that, that are tailored just to you? A lot, it turns out. The aim is to make you an addict an addict in the literal sense of the word. They want you to be dependent on the dopamine that gets released when you use their application. They want you to be in a place where you can't live without it. And it comes with other problems, too. Studies have been done to show that people share fake news stories at a rate of six times news stories that are based in actual fact. People like the sensational, even if it's not true so the algorithms keep showing you fake news in the hopes that you'll share it, comment on it, stay on the apps as long as possible. The more emotion, the better. Famously, famously, Cambridge Analytica used Facebook's incredible mine of data to target and manipulate voters in the 2016 election, which, given the razor-thin margin of that election, almost certainly affected the result. If you recall, there was someone who brought a gun to a pizza joint in Washington, D.C., under the belief that Hillary Clinton was running a pedophile ring from that pizza store. It was known as Pizzagate. Now, that has to be one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard, but it all happened because of these algorithms. These algorithms only show you what they know you want to see so that you stay searching. Why are there so many climate change deniers? Those who oppose vaccinating their children? Those who believe the earth is flat or the QAnon conspiracy? Simple. It's these algorithms that are honed to use human nature to maximize your screen time. What implications does this have for democracy? We complain about our divisions in society, but what if the source of those divisions lies in the very device that you hold in your hand hour after hour? The ill effects of social media platforms go far beyond politics. What keeps your attention? Sex. Sex sells. It is always sold and has been used by advertisers for as long as advertisements have been around. But now Instagram puts sexy bodies and beautiful people in your face all the time for hours every day. This has been shown to have had a massively negative impact on body image, suicide and suicide attempts among young people. People's self-worth becomes attached to the number of likes they get on a photo. It became such a public health problem that Instagram started toying with ways to limit who sees your likes or even considering removing the like button altogether. But the like button remains. They need your screen time after all. You want to know how good these algorithms are? Think of the last time you were amazed by seeing an advertisement on social media for something you were thinking about buying, but hadn't even searched for it yet. These algorithms know you better than you know yourself. Having watched this documentary, The Social Dilemma, I can't help but view our text in the Gospel of Mark in a different light. I could almost hear Jesus trying to get through to his disciples, as they stare at their screens on their smartphones. Peter is turning to Andrew to show him some article about how awful Pontius Pilate is. James gets a notification on his phone from the Facebook group Jews Against the Pharisees. Thaddeus pulls up Instagram to see how many likes his photo of the temple got, then wonders if he could have gotten more likes if, you know, he just changed the filter. John, of course, is capturing it all for his next Snapchat story. And finishes it off by making faces into the camera. Here is Jesus about to walk into Jerusalem to meet his ultimate fate that week, and he can't get the attention of his closest disciples because they're locked into their social media accounts. So he speaks these words from the Gospel of Mark, words that might get their attention. But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light And the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out his angels and gather the elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. The disciples all stop staring at their phones and look at Jesus. Now he has their attention. You don't know the day or the hour, but for heaven's sake, wake up. That's what Jesus is saying. Wake up. Look around. Advent is finally here. I do wonder what would happen if we could put our phones down, our social media accounts down as we enter into Advent. I'm not talking about a total fast. This is Advent, not Lent after all. I'm talking about intentional breaks. It's not that hard to do. You can easily turn off the notifications on your phone, especially for those apps that you're most likely to spend time on. You can go to your settings and see more info about your own screen time usage. What apps do you you spend time perusing and for how long? Amazingly, I spend nearly two hours per day on my phone. I'm most often on my phone for text messages, which frankly, I don't mind. Then comes Instagram. (laughs) I watch way too many of those stories. Those I can cut back on. The next next on my list is Facebook, and then just behind Facebook is Wikipedia, which, again, I don't mind since I'm learning new information that I get to determine. But what if I were to reduce my screen time? You can put limits in usage, you know. Because here's the cool thing. When we are awake, when we are awake to the season, we can make it that much more special. I don't know about you, but I have all these incredible memories of Advent. This year, more than any ev- other before, I long for those memories. I've read that this year people are putting up their Christmas trees earlier than normal. I get that. I really do. And how wonderful. In my family, we used to buy freshly cut trees from the big, from the big sale that the, the local Roman Catholic church had. I have such fond memories of putting up the tree and the smell it gave off in the family room. Then there was the process of putting on the multicolored lights and the garland and unwrapping each individual ornament. I remember on Thanksgiving morning how my mother would have the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on the TV while she baked something in the kitchen to bring over to my grandmother's for our annual big Thanksgiving feast. And then, of course, there was the Christmas music. (laughs) This is the days before streaming services. My mother had an array of about only five CDs that she would play over and over again each Advent. We knew every note on every song on every CD, and I can still hear them when I close my eyes. There were the poinsettias next to the fireplace and the fires that we would light light as the nights got colder and colder. So many wonderful memories. What memories can you invoke this Advent season? this season we feel separated from our pasts and from one another. Can we be awake for that? Is this the year to buy a new ornament or two? Are there Christmas movies you'd like to watch as a family or as a friend group? Any new traditions you'd like to start now that so many of the usual social gatherings won't happen? Here's the thing, we have time this season. More time than we've had in a while. Think about that. We have the gift of time. How will we use it? Can we be sure we don't spend the time going down rabbit holes on social media and feeding those algorithms? Now, some of you might balk at taking time away from your phones and internet searches. I mean, what would the holidays be without Pinterest, right? What if you miss out on those unfolding news stories of the day? Where would you be without checking Twitter every half hour? you know what I say, maybe it's just fine to be detached for this advent. I can promise you, you won't miss out on anything major. We've already had endless news stories and plenty of obsessing over COVID infection rates. The last thing I need to see is more time on my Facebook feed, more of those things that get me worked up. I'd much rather start a tradition of game nights around the kitchen table. In fact, I bought some more games just so I could do that. Others might balk at delving too deeply into the fantasy nature of Christmas and Advent. Aren't we good, grounded, rational Congregationalists? Aren't we beyond that? Aren't we beyond all this Christmassy stuff? Heavens no. (laughs) If there's one thing we need at this time, it's to reawaken to the magic of the world around us, the true magic of the world, the sense of family and giving and food and music and smells. Let us be transported to another place and another world during Advent. Let us be truly awake during the season, the fig trees budding. The time is here to relish the fantasy and the joy. And it's not too early to start. Start now. As Jesus says, you never know the day or the hour, the day or the hour when the kingdom of God might creep into your life. The first Sunday in Advent is traditionally the Sunday of hope. It's a Sunday when we look, do look to the Perusia, Perusia, the return of Christ into our lives. It's a message that should bring us hope when we can look past the figurative nature of the gospel passage and see it as a wake-up call to prepare adequately for the season. As a society, as a people, we need to find new ways of relating to one another and to the world in the year ahead. We need that healing. We need to break out of the echo rooms that social media has coaxed us into. I can't think of a better time or better way to do this than by doubling down on the Advent season. I have to admit, I have never been one for decorating my home for Christmas. (laughs) It's always seemed like too much effort for one person. But this year, this year is different. I want my home to be filled with the atmosphere of the season. Don't you? but I promise I'll refrain from posting too many pictures of it to Instagram. (laughs) After all, there will be more important things to focus on. Jesus is coming.